Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Muradian. Our podcast is brought to you by Bell. Since 1935, Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. At the end of his visit to Washington last week, we met with Lieutenant General Frédéric Zoparizo, the Vice Chief of the French Air Force. One of France's most operationally experienced airmen, Parizo served a tour in the Pentagon as the first French airman on the U.S. Air Force Chief of Staff's Strategic Studies Group when we first met. And before we get started, Leonardo DRS sponsors our global coverage, Northrop Grumman sponsors our weekly cyber report and our cyber coverage overall, and General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. Here's our conversation with General Parizo. Uh, General, it is an honor and pleasure having you on the program and uh, very proud that uh, you are now Vice Chief of the, of the French Air Force. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, great to see you again, Vago. Uh, uh, you spent three days here working at the senior most levels of the U.S. Air Force to map the um, strategic uh, cooperation uh, with uh, between the United States Air Force and the French Air Force. Uh, obviously, you were in the Air Force Strategic Studies Office when the concept of the tripartite agreement involving the U.S., British, and French uh, Air Forces was uh, created uh, and realized that every year uh, the integration and cooperation in the forces has become uh, closer and, and closer. Talk to us uh, as much as you can of the future of cooperation between the two forces, especially now that France is going to be part of the Pacific Partnership Initiative uh, involving the United States, Britain, France, Japan, Australia, and New Zealand. So uh, for a long time now, we haven't been able to meet with uh, you know our counterpart from the US Air Force. So last time, it was about 18 months ago, we had a, a VTC. But coming back here in uh, DC was great to uh, meet people in person. So we, we covered over uh, a day and a half uh, a lot of topics. Uh, first of all was operations. Uh, we are, so it was uh, about operations. We are uh, deployed pretty much everywhere together. And uh, I can tell you that uh, the, the tactical level that we have in operations is very high. And uh, we, we, every time we deploy together, we, it's, it's easy to fly uh, and fight with the US Air Force, I mean, uh, everywhere. Uh, we, we covered also a, a lot of uh, uh, ground about um, uh, future development, about uh, interoperability with F-35, which is a topic that uh, is very important to us. Uh, we covered also um, regional assessment, Africa, uh, and Indopac. So in Indopac, um, first of all, we, we think in the Air Force that uh, uh, it's, it's also an Air Force issue. It's not only a Navy issue. And, uh, and so we, we want to be present in, uh, in, the, in the Indopac region. Um, we, we did last August the deployment of Rafale to uh, French Polynesia. We deployed from France in uh, 39 hours, uh, three Rafale. We operated the next day, uh, did some missions on the way back uh, with the US Air Force in Hawaii with the F-22. And we deployed as well uh, back in uh, uh, Norfolk, uh, Langley, to, uh, to be able to make some uh, uh, ceremonies about Lafayette and so on. So the, the collaboration with the both Air Forces is, is very strong. Uh, we agreed with the U.S. Air Force to uh, do again some deployments in the Indo-Pac. 
Uh, I was in August in Hawaii, uh, was lucky enough to be uh, in Hawaii uh, with uh, General Woods back. And honestly, uh, I mean, the, the, the welcoming of, uh, of the U.S. Air Force there is, is just uh, amazing. So, so we, we plan already for uh, an exercise this year. And, and our goal is to be able to make a, a deployment every year. We, we're going to try to increase in size. Last time it was three Rafale. Probably uh, this year is going to be six. And then we hope to get to deploy 20 Rafale. Uh, in less than 48 hours somewhere in the Pacific in, in two years. So, so very uh, demanding on, on us. Uh, we put a lot of stress on the Air Force, but we learn a lot. And uh, the idea behind is obviously work with the U.S. Air Force, but it's also together message to uh, China or to the, you know, the, the neighbors of the Pacific that uh, we can reinforce uh, uh, coalition very quickly and uh, operate right away uh, together on a very uh, large uh, array of missions. So, so very, very interesting uh, discussion with the U.S. Air Force. Um, and I want to get to uh, the higher intensity uh, training, right? I mean, as, as you were pointing out, shorter deployment cycles, get more force packages uh, out there and be able to operate at high intensity. Um, let me ask you about uh, the Russia-Ukraine crisis. France is an important NATO uh, member. Uh, all NATO uh, members have been surging capability to the region. Obviously, uh, as we're uh, recording this, there is a concern uh, that an invasion may be imminent. Um, refresh the uh, three, two, one. Tell our audience about all the things that France and the French Air Force are doing to reinforce uh, the eastern borders of the alliance and reassure allies and partners, but also try as much as possible to deter Moscow. So for, for years we've been deployed in, uh, in NATO missions, uh, especially uh, air defense of the Baltic uh, states. So uh, our next uh, deployment will be in April. So we're going to stay there uh, four months uh, in uh, Latvia. And, uh, and then uh, we also make some uh, ISR missions uh, in over Romania and uh, around the Black Sea. Uh, you know, being with the uh, AWACS, we have sensors on the AWACS, being with the uh, EW uh, Gabriel uh, C-160, or actually with uh, fighters uh, being escorted, uh, uh, Mirage 2000Ds and Rafale. Uh, we, we had great pictures with uh, Sukhoi uh, from the QRA over there. Uh, but we, we, we keep our, uh, you know, burden, uh, we, we, we take our burden uh, in, in the NATO effort to uh, gather information and uh, obviously uh, we'll see what happened but uh, we'll be ready to uh, to answer we are part of the VJTF you know the the, the force there from uh, NATO uh, and and so obviously we'll do uh, what we have to do to uh, support the, the operations if uh, if they happen um, you're, you're not just the vice chief of the French Air Force, but you're also a strategist. Uh, you were the first French officer to serve on the United States Air Force Air Staff uh, some years ago, where, where we met in the Strategic Studies uh, Group. Um, as a strategic airman, what are the things the Russians are doing that to you are interesting? And what are the most important trends in air warfare that are shaping your decisions and your chief's decisions about the modernization and the capabilities the French Air Force will need in the future and the training? Yeah. So what, what we see today is uh, what we call the A280. You know, it's it's in place right now in Belarus in uh, east eastern Ukraine. We have uh, triple digit SAMs that are deployed, and that's something that we have to deal with right now. So uh, so that's the first uh, concrete example of uh, what we read in the papers and everything. So it's it's already there. So for us as an air force, um, the the challenge is to go through uh, eventually uh, these uh, to destroy these uh, targets. 
or to go through if we have to, uh, you know, uh, strike targets uh, beyond uh, these uh, uh, SAM barriers. So, so that's something that is uh, a bit challenging. You know, the triple-digit SAMs are uh, very effective uh, systems. Now, in the in the medium to long term, and that's one of the objective of the uh, FCAS, you know, with, uh, with Spain and uh, and Germany, is to make sure that we can recover air superiority. Uh, we've been enjoying air superiority for 30 years, you know, because there was no threat. And now that the, uh, the Russians and the Chinese actually are uh, investing a lot in their uh, air forces, uh, we, we, we think that, we're the, that air superiority is at, in danger. And uh, so that will be uh, the, the primary mission of the uh, NGF, the next generation fighter that's part of the co uh, cooperation with Spain and Germany, will be to be able to uh, you know, recover that air superiority that enables the rest of the missions for the for air, but also for the the ground troops or the navy. So it's 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 very challenging because uh, they are going much faster than us. You know, uh, we uh, we have to fix a lot of things in in my air force, for example. We we we're going to retire the C-160 uh, in about uh, a month. Uh, entered service in 1967. So uh, we, we switch to A400. We are going to retire the C135, the KC135, bought by General de Gaulle in 1955 by A330 MRTT. We retire the Mirage 2000 for the Rafale. So we are in a very uh, you know good progression in, to, in terms of recapitalization, but that probably won't be enough uh, for, uh, for to, to face uh, uh, the newest weapon, the J-20 or uh, new Sukhois uh, 57 uh, and the weapons they are de delivering, especially on hypersonic uh, side. Uh, so defense is something that we're working on. We don't have enough money, to be honest, to invest right now. So it's probably something that we're going to get by the end of the decade. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, we, we decided to invest in offensive weapons. They're going to be the next nuclear uh, missile. Uh, it's called ASN4G uh, in French, uh, and uh, and, and that, that that will be operational uh, by 2035. So, so we we are able to uh, to make some progress in uh, in some uh, some areas, but uh, obviously uh, um, the uh, the budget we're going to get after the presidential election will be key to uh, to see if we can actually get get these capabilities or, or later. So. Um, and um, President Macron so far has been very supportive of uh, military modernization. We heard uh, from uh, Admiral uh, Pierre Vandier, the chief of the French Navy, uh, who, who discussed that a little bit. What, what, you know, you were one of the officers thinking through the hypersonic portfolio and some of the challenges that are presented. What are some of the, how is that shaping your strike weapons portfolio? You know, for example, the Storm Shadow is a great weapon, but it's relatively short range despite its precision and, and penetrating capability. What does the suite of systems the French Air Force will need to be able to operate in a highly contested and longer range uh, strike environment? So you may know that we are working with the uh, UK on uh, the successor of the Scalp Storm Shadow, which is uh, the, the, the family that is, uh, has been very successful in terms of uh, results in, in strikes. So it's, um, it's uh, the next generation that will actually cover the uh, uh, cruise missile uh, piece, but also the anti-ship uh, piece. So, uh, so we are right now uh, in uh, in assessment phase. We call it, which is uh, uh, de-risking some technological choices. Uh, hopefully, uh, in about 18 months to two years, we're going to be able to decide if we're going that way or, or we uh, we stop or who knows where we are going to go at that time. 
but that will give us uh, speed, also range. So uh, I can cannot give any numbers, but you know, by far a large increase of capabilities uh, that we should get uh, by the end of the decade or early 30s uh, in, in our inventory, and and same for the for the UK, obviously. Now, in in the longer term, uh, the choice was made for us that hypersonic weapons will be kept for the nuclear deterrent. So. So we couldn't put a uh, um, conventional warhead on, on this missile. First of all, pretty expensive missile. So, I mean, when you shoot them, you, you need to think twice. But, uh, but basically, it's going to be more on the, uh, on, on, the, on the nuclear side. What we try to invest in is the uh, capability to uh, saturate uh, a target, for example, a SAM, uh, using uh, weapons that are talking to each other and that can reconfigure depending on the you know the target where it is. If you get a late pop-up of a of a SAM system, then they c you can redirect the the red. So that's the swarming you know the swarming bombs and and uh, and ideas like that. We we hope that uh, within you know less than ten years we'll be able to uh, deploy this on uh, either Rafale or it could be A400 as well. Uh, which has a huge cargo and we can drop a lot of stuff uh, out of it. So that's something we're working on, uh, you know, these days. Um, let me ask you about space uh, and, and cyber capabilities as well. France is a space power uh, and the French Air Force was ahead of the power curve compared with many European Air Forces in terms of uh, better exploitation of space. Uh, and also some of the world's leading cyber thinkers are French. How are you growing the capabilities in both both of these fields, in part because it, you are not just the French Air Force, right? You're the French Air and Space Force at this point. Exactly. Since uh, what, no, almost two years now, we, we've been uh, the French Air and Space Force, which is less easy to say, by the way. Uh, anyway, we, we had, uh, we had uh, a lot of assets coming up. Uh, we launched, actually, at the end of last year, uh, one SATCOM satellite, Syracuse 4, and then we have uh, Ceres, which is a, a EW asset that is in the air now. We're going to get online pretty soon. So we, we, are, we have a lot of capabilities. The, the new thing is that uh, uh, we, we, we're going to act in space now. So uh, that's something that uh, our minister uh, said uh, a few months ago, is that because others, especially the Russians, uh, are acting space uh, sometimes, uh, you know, offensively. Then, then basically we we're gonna we're gonna also uh, put some uh, some assets in space that where we can act in space. So uh, that's something new. We we have set up a, a space command in the Air Force. Uh, the space command uh, is, is setting up um, in Toulouse, in the southwest of France, uh, next year. Um, we, we also have uh, the Center of Excellence for NATO, that is uh, for space, uh, that uh, was granted to France, so that's, that's very good. And then we already work on the, uh, the next generation, even though we just launched you know, uh, the, the new generation, we're already uh, looking at uh, the next generation. We also, in, uh, you know, with the new space uh, industry, uh, in contact with some, uh, some of the uh, small business to, to get some uh, reactive launch or uh, capabilities that are less expensive than the very big satellites that we built. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, we, we, we have a few startup uh, in, in the domain and uh, we hope that uh, very soon we'll be able to, uh, you know, get more capabilities. And by the way, we have a very good relationship with Space Command in the U.S. Uh, where we have uh, exchange of officers and exchange of uh, data and exchange of uh, ideas. So, uh, you know, very strong relationship there too, so. And on cyber? 
On cyber, uh, cyber is not part of uh, one of services. So it's uh, we have a cyber command, which is a joint uh, entity. Now with, with the um, evolution of uh, you know multi-domain operation and so on, we, we, we have the capability now at the tactical level uh, to use cyber. So um, it's, it's still something that we, we're working on. We, we, we uh, have the lucky, lucky enough in the Air Force to get the air and space. So we add cyber now. And for example, during the deployment uh, in French Polynesia last summer, we started to do some MDO. So we, we, we're just you know, walking you know, and, uh, and learning. Uh, but the idea was to use also cyber uh, to monitor some some networks or to uh, you know make some uh, uh, actions uh, in connection with space and and air. So so we we are learning. We are uh, pretty confident that uh, in in the coming months we're going to be able to to make it you know more coherent. And then uh, and then as I said we 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 learn as we walk and uh, and we uh, we we keep on. Uh, uh, learning with, from from the experience, from exercises, something that is difficult to share with the uh, allies because uh, cyber is still a very uh, secret. And uh, but we we hope to be able to demonstrate very soon that um, we can master uh, airspace and cyber uh, in in all uh, what we do. Um, let me. Uh, that uh, r reminds me to go back to F-35 and uh, interoperability uh, for a moment, right? The number one priority uh, for the United States remains the JADC2 Joint All Domain Command and Control uh, System. One one of the big challenges is every time the United States makes a jump like this, it has a tendency of sending allies scrambling in order to maintain that interoperability edge. There are some countries that are very proud that they got to Link 16 or Link 16 three or five. Uh, and now we're looking at going to a new generation. What's the kind of coordination and integration you're doing to make sure that the, the kinetic, I don't mean this to be negative to other allies and partners, but France and the United States and the United Kingdom find themselves together in some of the most high intensity situations. Mm -hmm. um, what's the work that you're doing to make sure that when we start to transition to this new generation of connectivity, that the French Air Force and the Royal Air Force, and indeed NATO as a whole, are seamlessly integrated into this without causing an interoperability gap. It's working progress, to be honest. Um, remember, in 2018, we did a raid over Syria, you know, and it was you know U.S., U.K., and France alongside, planning together and flying together and striking together. What, what I want to make sure is that tomorrow, if we have to do this again with the F-35, <coughs> being uh, you know British or uh, American, then it will be same kind of mission. It's not the case now. So, um, and, and there are a few reasons for that. The first one is that the F-35 was built as a, as a closed, you know, uh, network. So uh, it's difficult to open it. I understand that uh, F-35 cannot talk to F-22, uh, cannot talk to Typhoon. So, uh, you know, UK has a big problem to, uh, to, to solve. But the, the second thing is that you know, it's industry and uh, we are in competition in most of the markets, you know, and uh, some countries are looking at F-35s, others are looking at Rafale. And, uh, and if, there is a, if there is a solution to link both, it might change the dynamic of the uh, export. So, so I think uh, seen from the uh, operators, uh, being the French Air Space Force or the US Air Force, there are no doubt that we need to work on this. Now, there are administration behind, there is industry behind, and obviously it's less than easy to do it. Although, 
probably uh, one third of the time we met with the U.S. Air Force uh, over the last two days, we talked about that. And it's, uh, it's something that we, we can progress, you know, without opening everything. And we did an exercise uh, in June in France called Atlantic Trident. And uh, we had for the first time the F-35 uh, coming in France. And we operated with the um, so F-35 from Utah, I guess, Hill uh, Air Force Base, and uh, as, uh, as well the uh, F-35B from the UK coming from their uh, aircraft carrier. And, uh, and it worked. So, so we can make progress. It was not perfect. It was, you know, sometimes difficult to find a technical solution to an operational problem, but it worked. So to go further, there will be a, a few obstacles. The first one will be the capacity to share, you know, uh, F-35 data with, with the rest of, uh, of the world uh, through Link 16, for example, to start with. Uh, but in the longer term, um, we need to find a standard uh, you know, for uh, data transmitting, uh, maybe a standard for data itself that we can share. And, and since everything will go in a combat cloud somewhere, uh, basically we, you can have something that you want to share and national enclaves there that do, don't want to share. And that's something that technically it's possible. But there, there will need uh, some work to do that. Is uh, by the way, congratulations in uh, Indonesia, where uh, the Rafale was uh, <laughs> successful against the Russians against the Su-35. Yeah. Um, is the combat cloud concept the right answer to this, Zoe, in terms of being able to set up um, an environment in which everybody can plug into it, and then you can build national caveat bunkers, if you will, within it? Well, I, I don't know if it's the right answer i mean we probably know afterwards but uh, it's probably uh, the easiest answer now i think because the the cloud concept is not you know it's probably new to the military but it's not new to uh, industry so uh, but you know beyond that i think we need to find as well uh, a resilient solution uh, if you cannot fly because you're not connected anymore to your uh, combat cloud then you have a, you have a problem so so w when we think of so new solutions and new um, new uh, options, then we need to think about worst case scenario where the enemy will uh, uh, jam your uh, satcoms. We uh, will eventually uh, uh, jam your uh, direct link, uh, you know, communication and so on. So, so that's something we we look at, and uh, that's a, a strong dialogue we have with the U.S. Air Force, especially through ABMS and and concept like that. So, so we we, we talk. Uh, we talk about concept now, we don't talk about solution, uh, probably the solution will come a bit later, but uh, uh, at least if we don't get the same solution, I don't think we're going to get this exactly the same, but you know, the, it has to be interoperable again to be able to uh, fly in coalition, fly in NATO, so NATO helps a lot in there uh, with the FMN concept and so on, but, uh, but still, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's technical uh, solutions are not easy to find. Uh, and I know that uh, the chairman of the NATO Military Committee, uh, Dutch Admiral uh, Bauer, has been working very, very hard in order to be able to make sure that, uh, at least at an al alliance level, uh, the groundwork is laid for for the the alliance to be plugged into to be able to plug into JADC2. Mm -hmm. um, let me take you to high intensity training, which you you mentioned was on on the agenda. W what are the skills the next generation of French aviators need? 
Um, in the United States, it's actual combat employment, right? Not necessarily a new mm -hmm. concept, right? Um, I, I remember even when you were in the Pentagon, there was a lot of discussion on how mm -hmm. the air environment was changing uh, in, a, in an era of extremely precise area denial weapons. Uh, we're looking at electromagnetically <clears throat> denied environments, uh, much more so than we're used to operating in. What does the environment look like, and how are you changing the training in the French Air Force to prepare airmen to operate um, in, in much, much more contested environments? Yeah. So as you said, the environment will be heavily contested you know, in all domains. So uh, that's, that's a, a fact that we take. We are lucky enough in the French Air Force to have uh, the deterrent mission. And, and this drives us to the high hand, because if tomorrow in five years, 10 years, the president says, I want you to strike this target, we have to strike the target. So, so we take into account you know, the environment, we, we look at the threat in five, 10, 15 years, and from there we say, okay, well, we need to do to be able to go through this defense, this uh, target, and, and strike the, what, what the president asked for. So, so that's something that, you know, it's a small group, it's a two squadrons uh, of Rafale. Uh, and, and this, what they do in, in training, and uh, we call it Operation Poker, which is a large exercise that they do uh, once in a while, where they put, uh, you know, 40 plus airplane uh, in the air and, and do the same mission. Uh, you know, in, in the same area, uh, not not going <laughs> to the targets, obviously, uh, but but it's a real training, and and we we put a lot of um, uh, emphasis on the lessons learned. We we I mean, and 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 that's that's added value uh, that you know goes to the the whole of the air force, and uh, so the high end capacity uh, compared maybe to the army in, in our country, um, we never never left the high end capacity. Um, at the same time, uh, we, we need to also for the training, um, there are two ways. First one is to demonstrate, so we want to be seen. Uh, we make 12-hour missions, you know, uh, where we, we, we simulate uh, a missile uh, shot at the end with uh, opponents. That, that speaks to uh, China, that speaks to Russia. If you take uh, a 12-hour from France, you look at where you can go uh, with, with that capability. But also we want to hide some of the tactics, and that's why we, we invest a lot on simulation. Um, so high fidelity simulation is very expensive, so what we try to invest is a, a simulation that is representative of the airplane, but actually where you can make uh, tactics that are, uh, you know, uh, uh, effective against a threat that we uh, stimulate uh, as well. So, so we, we, we hide some missions uh, to train at the, the best level, you know, uh, understanding that uh, we, we know, uh, you know the, the threat, but we don't know everything about the threat. And, and we show some, some demonstration that, that can, you know, uh, present to the adversaries Say okay, well the French Air Force they get this capability. Okay, I'll think twice. Okay, so so we but the simulation is is uh, is one one uh, axis of effort that we have in the in the next five years. In this high intensity future operating environment, um, there are those who ask right when when. Uh, U.S. Air Force leaders even talk about agile combat employment in a hypersonic area denial age. There's a sense that some have that this 
how realistic is that, right? Um, you're no longer sleeping under the wing of your airplane that you can, you know, pull the start button and, and take off in three minutes. Nobody's sleeping in their cockpits anymore. Uh, these, also, these aren't Mirage 4 guys, you know, si sitting in alert at, uh, at Cray ready to take off when the <laughs> president gives the order. Um, how, how, how do we need to envision how we operate in a really contested environment that may not just be contested in enemy territory, but is actually going to be contested at home. France is not that far from Russia or the reach of things like Caliber, for example, or Iskander. Uh, and the Russians are demonstrating that they may be willing to cross some of these, some of these boundaries. What is Angel, you know, how do we need to envision what that future operating environment looks like, even at home, uh, where uh, the kinetic environment is going to be a lot more violent than we've seen in, in decades, or, or ever even? Right. So that's something that we, we take into account. Uh, to be honest, we don't have uh, yet a plan for uh, dispersing our forces. Uh, for the nuclear forces, we, we have a plan for that, but not for, for the others. Um, and, and basically, we, we need to think about defense, of, uh, active defense and passive defense. So passive defense is something that we left for a while, you know, and, and we need to reinvest in passive defense. Uh, being fake, you know, uh, you know, buildings or or uh, aircraft on the ground or uh, defense or stuff like that, but also uh, active defense, and that's uh, that's something we invest on. Uh, to be frank and honest, uh, the, the, the hypersonic uh, weapons are not taken into account yet, you know, uh, for budget reasons mainly. Uh, we we expect that by the end of the decade to uh, invest in long-range radar. Uh, which at least will give us some warnings, you know, and uh, time to uh, to uh, disperse the, the force. But uh, we don't have yet the, the capability to intercept these uh, these uh, these uh, hypersonic weapons. So, so it will be uh, very expensive. We need to think about how much uh, we're going to have to invest versus the risk we take, and <clears throat> and then something we we are in in, in mind now. So um, so we need to. In the short term, we are more concerned about uh, small UAV, like uh, in the UAE, you know, uh, and that that is very cheap for the attacker and very expensive for the you know the defender. And and uh, so, as we're gonna get the Rugby World Cup in 23 and the Olympic Games in 24, to be honest, we focus more on the uh, you know lower side of the threat than the, the you know the hypersonic threat. But uh, hypersonic threat, we're gonna have to uh, really to uh, tackle this issue. Uh, understand that few countries are investing a lot in these uh, in these uh, matters. And uh, you know we can't, we can't, as you said, we were not protected anymore. Uh, but we think right now there is there are no operational, real operational uh, capability being in Russia or China, but it will come soon. So we, we need to uh, invest in that area. Um, what were some of the, you know, you mentioned the importance of swarming systems, for example. We saw in the Armenia-Azerbaijan uh, <coughs> conflict that involved also Turkey and Israel, uh, for that matter. Um, some extraordinary capabilities that were um, displayed. How does that change air warfare? Uh, uh, for for you from the standpoint of an airman, because there's a tendency of thinking of unmanned aviation being the central element of this, but increasingly we're seeing that unmanned, longer range unmanned aviation will have a very, very and, and including swarming aviation will have a role in this. What does that layered strike complex look like from a French perspective? Well, it, it is a threat we have taken into account, you know, uh, definitely, but if you look at long range, low observable uh, UAV, 
it's as expensive as an airplane. I mean, uh, an aircraft, a fighter. So, so I think it's going to be either or. So I don't see a lot of countries that can invest in both capabilities. So for us right now, the choice we made is to stay with the uh, uh, um, manned airplane, especially with the, the, the collaboration with uh, you know Germany and, and Spain, optionally unmanned. So so we still. You know, 2040 is still far, so we, we haven't made all the choices about uh, wh what we uh, what we will have at the end. We know we're just in the, the process of, uh, you know, with, with jointly with the uh, Germany and, and um, uh, Spain to, to, to take the right solution for, for what we expect in 2040 uh, and beyond, obviously. Uh, but there will be some low-cost um, assets like UAV. Uh, that's something probably we need to, to think about, but that's pretty much what I, I thought about when I talked about swarming uh, bombs. We can have uh, swarming drones gathering EW. We can have uh, the same same asset with a, with a bomb on it. We can have uh, the same asset uh, like a suicide uh, you know, uh, UAV. So that's, it gives us a lot of uh, opportunities but again, on, on a you know, we need to think about budget. Uh, you know, if we had unlimited budget, I'll take everything. But uh, as uh, as in, in charge of uh, you know, the Air Force, we we need to think about where is the best investment. Is that something that, uh, for example, a fighter is quite um, you know multi-role, so you can use it on the high hand, but also inside on the lower hand, uh, and where your uh, Reaper, for example, is is great for a sail, but probably uh, less uh, in a you know highly contested environment. So, so that's that's something we need to uh, to, to the, the choices we have to make, uh, balanced by operational uh, interest versus uh, budget on the other side. Um, just uh, two other quick questions in lightning round because I know I've got to uh, my my time with you is going to end. Um, what do, what are the key characteristics of SCAF? You know, folks uh, hear this just like you know NGAD for the United States is a little bit vague, right? It's it's sort of a better F twenty two is is a sense that people have in the U S. From a European perspective, from a French perspective, and or and German and Spanish perspective, what are the capabilities? What are the attributes that SCAF needs to have for it to be operationally relevant for the long term? So as I said earlier, the the main characteristic would be to uh, to um, obtain and keep the air superiority. We think that, uh, uh, you know, we are at risk there, being by uh, air defense, you know, air-to-air -air or uh, ground-to-air. Uh, so that, that would be the first characteristic. The second one would be to be able to uh, uh, be connected, you know, with, with the rest of the, uh, you know, system of systems. So we, we see, uh, um, you know, uh, a long-term requirement for uh, what we call collective, collaborative combat. Uh, we tried to get a first experience with the Rafale, uh, with the next evolution, was called F5, uh, early 30s. So we, we want to learn, we want to uh, try some stuff, we want to put some IA in the cockpit uh, and have uh, loyal wingmen and then try some, some, some stuff and then get the right solution for 2040. So uh, so there will be some um, uh, what we call remote carriers, which is actually loyal wingmen uh, from different size, could be a small one very fast, a bigger one uh, carrying other weapons and so on. And then the, the, there is uh, one of the pillars of the collaboration with uh, Germany and Spain is a uh, uh, combat cloud. So uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, you know, that's 
that sharing of, of data, that sharing of information that can be uh, provided to uh, the cockpit, to uh, the C2, uh, to the uh, MRTT in charge of uh, coordinating eventually uh, uh, part of the RED. That's something that we are thinking about. We, we don't have a definitive solution now, but we know that if we're not connected together, uh, basically we're going to miss something. So, uh, so we, uh, we, we need to connect uh, radar to radar, uh, you know, uh, designation pod to designation pod, and then all the information will, will be uh, merged and then redistributed uh, to the, you know, the, all the fighters or all the uh, assets in the air. And then we, we get a clear picture of what's going on. So that's, uh, and one, one more thing I need to uh, talk about is the replacement of the AWACS. Uh, for us, uh, the uh, AFSC program in NATO is very important. So uh, by 2023, we should have options for the architecture, and and then we'll see what we, where we go from there. You know, with different options. One is a big airplane with a radar on the top and sensors everywhere. What we have now, pretty much, and on the other side is a network of. Uh, a small, uh, you know, being fighter uh, or other assets that are, you know, collecting uh, information and, and sharing. So, so we NATO is a uh, ACT is in charge of uh, assessing all the uh, different uh, options, and then we'll see in 2023 where we go from there. And uh, General Levine, uh, the former chief of the French Air Force, uh, is the new uh, ACT replacing another chief of the French Air Force who replaced <laughs> another chief of the French Air Force who replaced another chief exactly. of the French. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's where chiefs of the French Air Force go. Um, let me ask you one last question. You served uh, for four years in the Pentagon as a, as a staff uh, officer. What did that experience uh, teach you that's now valuable to you as the vice chief of the French Air Force? Well, I, I know uh, better, the, you know, the U.S. And, uh, and the U.S. Air Force especially, but uh, no, I, ke I kept, uh, I kept uh, from there uh, first uh, uh, the friendship that we have uh, with, with the U.S. Air Force. Um, I witnessed as well when I was deployed in OIR that, uh, I mean, when it goes to operation, it works. So that's very uh, reassuring. Um, I understand better also the, the way the Pentagon works, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, bureaucracy is, uh, is French in, in terms of, uh, you know, the name, but it could be also uh, American. Uh, but no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so it's it's um, it's uh, it's a real trust that we we have uh, with each other and uh, and uh, uh, very close in thinking. Obviously, uh, the U.S. Air Force is almost ten times bigger than than my Air Force, but basically we have the same problem, we have the same issues. We have uh, so we need to find solutions together. And uh, and the fact that there is a, a still uh, one one uh, French Air and Space Force officer close to the chief there is, is very valuable for us. So, uh, and we, we share all the time, so that's very good. Um, let me ask you one last question though, that which, you know, there's important industrial elements to this, right? I mean, obviously Dassault is important for France, just like Lockheed is important for the United States. Do we need to enter a different era in weapons cooperation between the United States and France that are actually the oldest allies and look at a new generation of systems that address common problems, as you said, your problems, are very similar to CQ Brown's problems. Why not? Because uh, even the U.S. Air Force has budget issues. So, so you know, we we need to have, uh, I think, uh, a, a collaboration, uh, especially on, on, I'll say, on uh, 
lower end weapons. You know, we, we, we use GBU-12, GBU-49, so we, we could work together on, on these, uh, on these uh, weapons or the replacement of these weapons because GBU-12 is, uh, you know, a Vietnam War uh, era uh, weapon. So, so that's, that's something we can work on. Above that, especially on the higher, higher end, it, it, there is a lot about industry, know-how, and, and uh, secrets, you know, that uh, uh, as, a, as a country like France, we need to, to keep uh, you know, knowing how to, to uh, build these, uh, these weapons. So, so, but there's, there's a whole area. We're going to buy L fires, for example, for the Reaper. So that, that's an easy, uh, easy one. Uh, uh, we, we, we use 95% of the time the same weapons, the same, uh, you know, missiles. So uh, we should probably have uh, joint ventures, I don't know, to, to be able to, uh, to, you know, to reduce the cost and be able to uh, uh, use them in a larger amount and not being blocked by, uh, you know, a budget all the time. So that's a good idea. General Parizeau, thanks very, very much. Honor and pleasure catching up with you. Uh, you look great and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon in Paris or here uh, the next time you visit. Thanks very, very yeah. much. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now a word from our sponsor, retired United States Army Major General Jeff Schlosser, who is the Executive Vice President for Strategic Pursuits at Bell. We've been building creative and innovative aircraft, next generation types of capabilities for almost nine decades. Bell is the company that can deliver that. Thanks very much, sir. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please follow our daily podcasts and visit the Defense and Aerospace Report website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook at Defense and Aerospace Report, and check us out on LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our weekly cyber report sponsored by Northrop Grumman. Thanks again to Bell for their generous sponsorship, and we'll see you again tomorrow.